The NBA Draft Combine has arrived, and so has Alex Schiffer to Chicago to watch some 65 hopefuls scrimmage and drill before NBA scouts. Among those attending are Missouri's Jonte Porter, plus Duke's Zion Williamson, John Morant of Murray State, Carson Edwards of Purdue. We'll talk about this and some Missouri basketball with a Schiff man who's posted up in the Windy City. Let's get started on Sportsbeat KC, a sports podcast of the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Hey, Alex, how you doing today? I'm good, Blair. How are you? Doing fine, man. Tell us where you are and what you're doing there. I am in the lobby of the Chicago Hilton for the NBA Combine, surrounded by people that make a lot more money than me and are actually somehow taller than me. I imagine, and you're and you're a pretty tall, dude. I mean, you're you're six what six two, six three, uh, six four. I didn't mean to cheat you like that. Well, uh, six three, six four. Yeah, I imagine. Even at that, you're probably around a lot of tall people there. Um, so, what do you? Uh, the NBA Combine's a two-day event. Uh, the top prospects uh, in, in basketball are there. Scouts are there. Coaches are there. What's going to happen the next couple of days? Yeah, so there's a lot of different tests that they put these guys through, kind of like the 40-yard dash in football. There's there's some I forget the exact measurement, but there's there's kind of like the 40 for the combine. There's the vertical, all these meetings with teams, and you know a lot of the guys that have declared while retaining their eligibility are still, you know they they kind of learn their fate. I feel like this is the make or break week for them where they discover whether or not it's worth staying. Uh, in the draft or not. And obviously some of the local guys for Kansas are Devon Dotson and uh, Quentin Grimes hasn't said if he's going to stay in or not, but it it appears he will. And Jonte Porter just announced yesterday he's staying in. Right, right, right. And I think Diedrich Lawson is there from Kansas as well. But, you know, and and then, like I said, you get Zion Williamson and and Carson Edwards are scheduled to be there. Um, John, John Morant. Uh, a lot of the top prospects. I think I think I counted 66, maybe somewhere in that that range of top prospects. Of course, the NBA draft lottery was held the other night with the New Orleans Pelicans with the first pick in the in the um, in the draft. Or all signs are they're going to take Zion. So so yeah, you mentioned Jante Porter is is there. Um, he uh, cannot participate in the workouts because of the, uh, the, the the second knee surgery he's had in eight months. But you had a chance to talk to Jonte. What was that about? What did you learn? And, and how's he doing? How, what's his recovery uh, stage uh, right now? Yeah, so, you know, no one's really spoken to Jonte since the day, since Mizzou Madness, which was the day before he tore his first ACL for the first time. And uh, a lot of it was just kind of catching up on everything. I learned a lot personally. You know, he he talked about with both ACL tears, he felt fine in the immediate aftermath before really feeling pain. He thought he was going to get out unscathed both times. You know, he kind of used the word teased a little bit because he he thought, you know, the pain didn't match the injury necessarily when it occurred, and he really thought he'd be able to play. You know, last year, and it, it kind of was full circle to me. You know, last year at the combine, Jonte was the one that everyone was talking about as the potential dark horse first round pick. And now his draft stock is just kind of up in the air. You know, he even says, I don't know where I'll go or how it's going to go down. Uh, you know, he's meeting with teams and he's been trying to be as honest as he can be with the entire situation. He, I, I thought it was very insightful as to how the entire thing went for him. You know, he talked about how his, his brother was the one that's kind of been his big motivating uh, voice throughout the past eight months for him. And, uh, 
and he's he's just trying to make the most of it. He says, you know, people keep telling me about all the money I blew for going away to uh, coming back to school. You know, I don't regret coming back. You know, his biggest regret is the uh, second ACL tear, which committed while he was defying doctor's orders. He also, um, you know, he the way we reported the first time about how he tore it, he he explained it even better than I thought I wrote it. So. It really seemed like a freak thing with the way he explained it. You know, I think I remember hearing at the time when when he tore it for a second time, he was attempting, well, I think it's obvious now, attempting to come back too quickly. It was a big mistake on his part. Did he did he talk about that? Yeah, he, he said he was at the Nuggets practice facility with his brother and his friend. And he said, you know, he, he was really good with the whole thing about how he said he kind of felt invincible and he, his knee wasn't bothering him during it, and he just heard a little pop. So I just kind of hopped in, told them not to play for real defense, and they weren't really, but then uh, I guess just competitive nature took over. I stopped really thinking about my knee and just kind of went for it. Uh, I just felt kind of invincible, I guess. I felt like my knee was good, and it felt great. Like It felt like it was before, but obviously it takes time for those tendons to heal and everything like that, so it wasn't quite clear for that, but it just felt amazing. So it's a lesson learned. I'm not going to do it again, but... But he saw multiple doctors' opinions on the second tear, and two of them said that he was fine. And then his surgeon said, no, no, it's it, you retore it. So, you know, going back to the whole tease thing, he, he really felt like both times he kind of, you know, got away with it and, and played with fire and didn't get burned. And, and he just said that literally both injuries were a whirlwind because he really thought that he was fine both times, and it cost him the, his season, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So, what can he do in Chicago with the, since he's not uh, he's not able to work out or scrimmage with uh, with the others? He all he he told me all he can do is meet with teams and and he said you know I, I told you know he said last year he could do drills and everything and he could kind of show what he could do, but um he said you know his only real weapon is his and I don't think weapons my my best choice of word but is is his voice you know he said he's been very honest with them about the entire process. And, and I think, and I'm, I'm trying to find someone to maybe talk for this before my story goes, but I, I think he's in a unique situation also because his game is just so built for the modern NBA. I think if he was a center, like a traditional five-man, or, or maybe just more of an old-school point guard, his draft stock might have gone from first round and potentially undrafted because, you know, he, he doesn't really have a lot to hang his hat on. But, you know, he, because he's such a unique breed and, so you know, he can – fit with so many different teams i think that that's probably the biggest thing he's got going for him is that yeah he's had the injury twice but at the the same time he he still brings so much to the table that you know teams probably will still find some place for him in the second round yeah i you know that's where i have seen him in the mocks is dropping into the second round where before this happened i you're you know going into the season after last season uh, when he had the all-conference year, you, know, you saw him as a potential, you know, 2019 first-round pick. So, um, look, I don't—I certainly don't blame him for for entering the draft. I, I think this is the right move from a business standpoint for him. To—he's going to have to, you know, he's going to sit out this year anyway. Uh, why not do it on an NBA bench, collecting a paycheck and and being rehabbed by the professional team that uh, you know that, that is uh, invested in in him. So. I, I think it was the good call. We learned for sure that this was the decision earlier this week. You, um, there had been some rumblings among the national media, but uh, but Conzo Martin confirmed it to you and some other reporters 
earlier this week in a, in a breakdown of um, you know of, of the Tigers, sort of the uh, a media availability in in May. Um, there was a lot going on there because not only did we learn about uh, you know confirm the the Jante Porter news, but um, the Jeremiah Tillman news was confirmed as well. Tell me, give me some of the highlights of the, of the conversation that you and others had with uh, Coach Conzo Martin the other day. Yeah, so uh, Jeff Goodman reported yesterday about Jonte staying in the draft, which Conzo confirmed, and uh, it was the right decision, you know, not to get too much back to Jonte. But Jonte even told me, I said, you know, if you come back next year, there's a lot to like about this team. And he said, I don't disagree, but, you know, I, I just think I kind of had to go, and, and my agent felt the same way. Uh, and, and then, you know, there's kind of an interesting case with him because he declared for the draft and then he for the classmen that were coming out, their press release. And, and that raised some flags. People, everyone was like, so what happened? You know, I think at first the thought was, well, maybe the guy just, you know, forgot to put his name in uh, in the release and he was still there. But, you know, Conzo essentially said that and it, it remains to be seen as to which side screwed up more. I, I just think that there's blame to go on both sides for this. But, um... It appears that Jeremiah Tillman never formally fired the, filed the paperwork to declare for the NBA draft while retaining his eligibility. It seems like he just thought that he said he was declaring and then somebody else took care of the rest. And Conzo uh, said he tried for two weeks to get him into the process to get him workouts and everything. And the NBA's got a firm deadline. You know, they let him in. They got to let everybody in that said, you know, maybe some guy from Utah State said, oh, well, they're letting him in. Well, maybe maybe I can give it a shot, too, and maybe get a couple workouts. So... He's definitely coming back. It's huge for Missouri because I don't know what they would have done had he elected to stay in the draft. Uh, I think it's a great move for Jeremiah. You know, if, if he gets the fouls figured out, I think there is a place for him somewhere in the pros. And, uh, you know, with Jonte leaving, Michael Porter Sr. will stay on staff. Conzo said he's got one year left on his deal. I think something worth watching. You know, Conzo said he'll stay on staff. He didn't specify if he will stay as an assistant coach on staff. I think that's something to watch because – he could always get reassigned and they give someone else that third assistant spot. And then um, other little thing is that Ronnie Suggs will transfer. He's going to graduate this weekend. He'll be immediately eligible. Originally committed to Missouri under Frank Haith. Went to the prep school. Frank Haith left for Tulsa. Ronnie Suggs winds up at Bradley. Transfers to Missouri as a walk-on. Got on scholarship last semester. And uh, I, I just think with that real quick that you know he got good minutes for a walk-on. And I think he did enough to maybe say to himself, well, I'm not going to play a lot next year. Maybe I did enough to be a grad transfer somewhere and see a little more playing time my final year of college. He's got a Mizzou degree, so right. I don't fault him for that. So he, he follows uh, K.J. Santos out of the program. Uh, yes. Players that that, uh, that, that might have been back but have decided to leave. Hey, let's go back to Tillman just for a second. Um, it just seems so – odd and unfortunate for him that this you know that it may have come down to a paperwork issue that he's not uh you know that he's not in in the nba draft do you think that will affect uh sort of the i don't know his approach his his heart and mind as a as a college player will he uh will, will he ad- approach it the way that he needs to to improve and to uh get, get his stock up a little bit or will he be bitter and sour about the experience that he just had He's a team guy. I think he'll use it the right way. You know, people keep asking me, you know, which way do you point the finger? And I, I just think it's negligence on Conzo staff's part to think that. And again, I've never played college basketball, but I would think that there would be some kind of orientation. You go on, you go on with your team to say, hey, if you're going to go pro, here are the steps to do so. If you're going to test the waters, here are the steps to do so. And, you know, I, I think it was a little short-sighted of Jeremiah to maybe think that all he had to do was send out a tweet or, you know, just <laughs> right. say to the staff that he's going pro. And 
I think it might have been a little short sighted on the staff to just think that, you know, as a 19, 20 year old kid that he, he understood the process fully, even though he never done it before. So I, I think there's plenty of blame to go around here with uh, with how this all played out. And, you know, I, I honestly and I'm not an expert with this stuff. I, I don't know if he would have gotten invited here even if he did. I think he would have gotten some workouts with teams for sure that wanted to get an early look at him. But I, I don't necessarily think that you can say he would have definitely been here. You know, there were guys that I thought would be invited today, this week, that, you know, maybe some smaller conference prospects that had really good years, like former Mizzou guy, Jakeen and Gant, who lit up Kansas with Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I thought he'd be a guy that maybe got invited here. Uh, and a couple of other guys I, th- I was surprised not to see in the list. So, you know, I, I think I think it's disappointing a little bit, but I also I don't know how much he would have been able to get out of it anyway because, you know, he probably would have gotten some workouts, which would have been good. I, I didn't really see any uh, – lock for him to be here at the combine gotcha you know that you're you're right about i'm sure there are many disappointed uh, you know prospects because they didn't get invited to to this camp you may have the list in front of you i do not i i don't think any of the kansas state guys got invited to this no i was keeping on no there's no nope no barry brown or dean wade for um you know for, for the combine Correct. So, okay. So, uh, you know, in, in addition to you know catching up on Porter and Tillman, uh, you know, it, it was a it was a good time to think about what the roster might look like for next season. Because uh, this week uh, the news broke of uh, uh, Kobe Brown, right? And uh, the six seven small forward signed with A and M, but now he's going to become a Missouri Tiger. What uh, what kind of player the Tigers going to get with uh, Kobe Brown? I'm really curious to see how he fits in with what they have because I, I think he's going to be a, a – he told me, which I thought – I've never heard this before, that Conzo Morton sold him as a combo forward, combo guard type of player. So I think he could play the one through four. You know, I, I was told that he's about six seven, six eight, and uh, he, he said he can shoot a lot. You know, he averaged his stat line in Alabama, and, and granted, you know, I think Alabama's known for more for high school football than hoops, but it was about 24 points per game, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. So I think he brings a lot to the table, and I think he fits in what Conzo's doing with a lot of, uh, you know, he wants to do a lot more four-guard lineups this year and around Tillman. And I, I think that you're going to see him split some time as a as a power forward alongside freshman Trey Jackson. I think you'll see him as a three. I'd be really interested to see if they use Kobe as a, as a two or even handle the ball a bit, what that lineup around him looks like. You know, he's... He's six seven six eight. He, he looks like an offensive lineman. If you look at him in his build, he's got a thick build. And Nicodemus Christopher has a good rapport with that, with guys in the weight room. So I, I'm really curious to see how they use him because it, he seems like a guy that they're going to use all over the floor. He's a really good shooter, so they're going to draw up a lot of set plays to try to get him open. And he's a great passer, so maybe they do some drive and kick, some high-low, because he also has a post presence. I, I think he's. it's going to be very interesting to see what um, he uh, he brings. And, and not to play devil's advocate, but just to touch on the other side of it, you know, he was on the market there really late. He decommitted from Texas A&M. Final four of Penn State, Vanderbilt, Minnesota, Missouri. Very interesting four teams. You make a case, maybe Minnesota's the best school in that group, two out of the last three NCAA tournament appearances. But um, just interesting kind of him being on the market so late and so highly touted, but the schools that were looking at him. So, you know, I, I say that because you mentioned K.J. Santos, and everyone thought he would be the guy they're kind of selling Kobe Brown as, and he's on his way out. So just covering all the bases. Right. Well, I think, you know, just from what I've heard about him and what, I, what little I've seen, I think he's a rotation guy for sure. And so I look at I look at Missouri's roster, the potential roster for next season, and I'm, 
I'm, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing in terms of some depth. You know, finally a little bit of depth. They can, you know, they can go, uh, you know, maybe eight, nine now. Uh, I, I see, if, especially Trey Jackson as a, as a starter, perhaps, you know, from the freshman class. And I agree. Uh, and and I I just I, you know we'll see Drew Smith. I mean, or we've got there's some you know it's I, I think they're going to start with a more talented team than what they finished with last season. I agree. I agree for sure. And I, I think. You know, there, there's a couple more guys from the Kim Anderson era that leave. Jordan Geis and Kevin Prier. I think both had pretty good careers given everything. But it's just two more of Conzo's own guys that he can bring in. And, and he talked about, you know, adding a guy this late. He didn't want to add a guy just to add somebody and use the scholarship. He, he expects Kobe Brown to contribute given that they're taking a chance on him this late. So I, I, I'm really curious to see what it looks like. I, I think they're going to be a very up-and-down team next year. In terms of how they get up, you know how they handle the, the floor and their style of play, and uh, I, you know if Drew Smith is as good as advertised, and and Jeremiah Tillman can figure out the fouls, they could they could be playing in the second weekend of March, I think, depending upon how things go. You know, a lot of SEC teams had coaching turnover, just major turnover in general, like Vanderbilt, Alabama uh, had both the coaching and player turnover. Obviously, Tennessee loses Admiral Schofield and potentially Grant Williams. You know. I, I think there's a case for them to finish in the top four of the SEC if, if things go their way. All right, so let's do the um, – it's May 15th. It's about 5 o'clock Central Time. Let's do the May 15th, 5 p.m. starting lineup projection for the Tigers uh, next season. I, I, was, I've, I was going over this last night. I'm really struggling with this. I think there's so many ways they can go. I think Drew Smith will be the point guard. I think uh, Mark Smith will be the two. Javon Pickett the three, Trey Jackson the four, Jeremiah Tillman the five. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say I would not be surprised if Xavier Pinson is in that lineup somehow and they maybe even start a four-guard lineup with both Smiths, Pinson, and then Jackson Tillman, and then they switch out Pickett, or they even go very small around Tillman and go four guards, Smith, Smith, Pickett, uh, Pinson. Okay. So I, I, I'm giving a lot of caveats there. Well, and they so – you know, if if they let's just let's let's stick with stick with the original. Um, you know, with with the Smith Smith, and, and that, that would bring Torch Watson off the bre- off the bench, a nice piece off the bench. They just gave Braun the uh, the scholarship this week. Um, again, I was always worried when the Tigers went to the bench last season. I did. It, it, uh, I, I do think there's just a you know, it, it, there just appears to be a little more quality depth heading into this year. I, I agree completely. I, de- I think. I think they had maybe eight guys they could count on at one point last year, and as the injuries racked up, it might have been seven or six towards the end of the year. I think they're very much nine, ten deep this year. Okay, so what's left in recruiting for for Conzo Martin and the staff? Yeah, I, I think they're done for 2019. They're going to pocket the 2020 scholarship, which gives them two as of right now, potentially a third if Tillman or someone else leaves after next year. Um, you know, the two main targets are Caleb Love and Cameron Fletcher out of St. Louis, the third being Josh Christopher out of California, Nicodemus, his cousin. And uh, we'll see what happens with all three. I, I think, you know, I, I think there's a world in which Missouri gets one or two of them. I don't, I don't think they'll bat a, a thousand on those three. But um, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I think what would be in Missouri's best interest with some of these guys, and this is out of their hands, some of it, but if they, if those guys elect to wait, until next basketball season to sign and Missouri gets off to a hot start. And we're talking about a top 25 team during the non-conference season. And, they, and some of those guys maybe wait till the spring or just later in the year. 
I think Missouri has a, has a really good chance at them. I think they have a good chance right now, but I think their last year may have hurt them, even though they didn't have Johnson. That wasn't their fault. But I, I just think that if Conzo Martin has a chance to show these guys firsthand, this is what one of my teams with all of my guys looks like. This is where I want to go. And this is proof we're having success with it. I, I think that's his biggest weapon. And again, it's on them to kind of take their time with it. And, and, they're highly talented enough to where some of those schools will wait for them. But, you know, I've kind of said to people that are worried about them losing them to a Kentucky or a Duke, you know, those schools can pick whoever they want to take. You know, it's, it's just as much on the player selling uh, the school as it is the coach. You know, Caleb Love could call Conzo on the first day of class 2020 and they'll find room for him. Right. Duke and Krzyzewski, you know, Duke and Calipari, they might – they they might let it go to voicemail. They don't have they don't have to worry about that stuff. So I think people have to chill out with you know I, I think interest and in even a scholarship offer is sometimes overblown with places. If it's is it a committable offer, that's when it's time to get worried. Gotcha. Okay, Alex. I think the last time we talked to you, you were in Nashville or had just come back from Nashville and uh, had covered Drew Locke and and his his draft odyssey that uh, kind of somewhat unexpectedly went into the second day. Ends up with the Broncos, and uh, and I guess he got his uh, since signing, and he's gone through rookie minicamp, got his uniform number, and he was in the news again. Was it over the weekend or earlier this week? When uh, yes, uh, uh, it, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't anything he said, but it was the comments of the Broncos' starting quarterback Joe Flacco, who um, essentially said, and I'm paraphrasing, it's not his job to to mentor. Uh, a, a rookie quarterback, and of course he was referring to Drew Locke. And you know, I, that, I'm sure that comment or sentiment didn't ruffle any feathers anywhere. And but but it resonated here in Kansas City, certainly a because you know Drew Locke, of course, is is a local product. But but also um, the, it, it's quite the opposite of what we experienced or what Kansas City Chiefs fans experienced with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. So what was your what was your take on the the Flacco lock situation this week? Yeah, I, I had a couple thoughts on it. You know, I don't think Joe Flacco's answer was that bad, honestly. I, I think he said, I think he said a lot of right things, honestly. I, you know, he came in here to win. He came in here to be the starter and play good football. And there's also a guy on staff that's paid specifically to coach quarterbacks. And you know, one of my buddies was telling me when we were talking about this. He said, "Is there any position more in sports?" where especially in recent years where uh oh brian bowen just walked in um where the uh the starter is expected to mentor the backup more than the quarterback in football you know the the point guard in basketball or the basketball in general not really baseball there's so many guys at so many levels of the minors you don't really see that that much um soccer not really you know so i thought it was a good point that just that it's almost become an expectation since Patrick Mahomes really took off that if you draft a younger quarterback, um, the veteran is supposed to take him under his wing. And I, I think that that's a, a good lesson just in general that maybe the Pat, you know, I think a lot of teams want to go with the Pat Mahomes route. You look at the Giants with Danny Jones, um, the Jets had Josh McCowan for a little bit before giving the reins to Darnold. But I, I think that it, it just shows how much of a two-way street this is where the veterans got to buy in and the rookies got to be willing to learn. And again, I don't think Joe Flacco said anything terrible or incriminating. I don't think it's a ringing endorsement, you know, for him to say at the same time, you know, well, 
It didn't sound like he's going to be walking around with a shoulder over Drew Lock, his arm right. over Drew Lock's shoulder. Right. But um, I, I I don't think at base level that he said anything bad. I just think that it was the expectation that he was going to do that because it's a veteran towards the end of the the light, the end of the tunnel for him with his career and a younger guy. And you know, I in hindsight, if Drew Lock has a great NFL career and Joe Flacco, you know, he doesn't really give any credit to Joe Flacco for mentoring him. You know, is that going to look much better? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think I think it'd be just as much of a shot as Drew saying, you know, he didn't do anything for me or, you know, it wasn't his job. than it would be for Joe to say, you know, it wasn't my job. You know, I don't, I don't think Joe Flacco is going to credit Drew, you know, himself if Drew has success long term. And, and you know, I think some of this also, you know, I think Pat Mahomes got a lot of Alex Smith, but I think I think part of his success has also just been the guy's a wizard or to use Drew's nickname for Mahomes, the sorcerer. So <laughs> um, so I, I just think it's a two way street. I think part of it's just the expectation at the position. And I also just think that, you know, it a lot of credit goes to the veterans, I think, when it does happen. But I think give the other guys some credit, too, because, you know, both Mahomes and Drew had had uh red flags with them or some concerns at least in general coming out of college to begin with so credit to them for kind of addressing them right well assuming drew does a a few things i I don't remember alex smith maybe i just wasn't there but i I don't remember alex smith specifically being asked are you going to mentor patrick mahomes i think the the way it was framed in kansas city was when after alex smith had moved on that's when it became a story and and it was the you know it, it was the comments of Andy Reid of um, of Patrick Mahomes who said you know Alex Smith did a great job of uh, you know of, of helping Mahomes along the way and mostly though it was Mahomes observing Alex Smith as a professional on and off the field I mean that's what Patrick Mahomes always said that he he just paid close attention so if that's what happens if if Drew Locke you know wants to emulate a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback I think that would be a smart move on Drew Locke's part. Uh, you know, just just see how a pro approaches. This is this is his first experience in an NFL locker room. Joe Flacco's been there for a long time. See how a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback does it. And you know, I think Flacco probably was put in a little bit of a you know awkward position. Maybe wasn't ready to answer the question. And uh, but again, I don't think it made a lot of noise around the country. But you can understand a little bit of sensitivity to it in, in our neck of the woods here. So. I agree. All right. I agree. All right. Look, you get back to work. We hear the commotion behind you. Um, Alex, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your uh, busy day to, to talk with us about this. Look forward to reading everything you, you write out of the NBA Combine in Chicago. Yeah, I just learned that this hotel I'm at is where one of my all-time favorite movies, The Fugitive, was shot. Ah. So I have to be on the lookout for the Harrison Ford and the one-armed man. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Absolutely, you do. All right, Schiff. Take care, buddy. Awesome. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. This has been Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast of the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon to talk Kansas City sports.